0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 Podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za.
1: It's a Friday, so when the clock hits 11, we get quite excited about uh, an open conversation because this month is going to be quite a youthful, as youthful as possible a month uh, keeping in line with our uh, celebration and commemoration of Youth Month, uh, June 2021, also marking uh, 45 years since uh, the June 16 of 1976. So it's an interesting time to be in, points of reflection, and uh, we always bring you fascinating conversations and I no doubt you are going to enjoy this one uh, with my guest who has just recently been appointed as the Deputy Director uh, f- at the Center for Applied Legal Studies, CALS, as some might know. But, I mean, she's quite celebrated in the spaces of social justice. Was even in the Mail and Guardian's Top 200 Young South Africans featured as part of uh, Women in Social Justice. But uh, she's quite she's held in high esteem by those who know her and associate with her. Pale Madi is my guest. Good morning and welcome to Power Talk.
0: Good morning, Yukona. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank
1: you. And good morning to all your listeners. No, thank you. I mean, I I suppose uh, one is tempted to ask, how does it feel uh, to be now officially appointed in that role as Deputy Director? You have been acting on the role, though, uh, for some time at KELS. But uh, how important a moment is this for you? Wow.
0: Uh, It's truly exciting. Um, It's quite affirming. Uh, And I'm really looking forward to continuing working at CALS and to effect some of the changes I'd still like to, but I'm really excited.
1: I mean, Palesa, someone might ask, uh, an individual with an LLM, an attorney, possibilities are quite endless. Why dedicate yourself uh, to this space, which is, I mean, I'd say quasi-scholarship in a way, because you also do part-time teaching. Uh, but it's a, it's a center really within a, 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 a university community, instead of, you know, pursuing private practice or going to a big law firm.
0: I think a couple of reasons. It's hard to ignore, you know, the various issues we face as a country. You know, women are killed and raped every day. There are people who go to bed hungry. You know, young people can't find work. Activists are being killed or threatened. Um, You know, we see the conditions of our schools. There's just way too many problems to ignore um, in this country. I I recognise that I grew up with a little bit of privilege. I I had all my basic needs, you know, provided for. um, And so I I decided in law school already that I would use my degree, you know, to help those that were less privileged um, than I was.
1: I mean, was that also partly informed by your upbringing, the background, and uh, how do you characterize that? Because at times, it's very easy for us, while we, you know, appreciate our privilege... To ride on it and actually continue benefiting from it without uh, sacrificing any part of our privileged trajectory uh, to save society.
0: Definitely, um, it, it's very really important work. I think uh, you know that that you know organizations like Cal's does, um, and I think it's very important to to by all means try to live a meaningful life. Um, And and not to say that you can't, you know, have a meaningful life if you go into uh, private practice. Mm. Uh, I think it's very possible to still contribute. And, and, you know, corporations and people in in, in corporate are are contributing very meaningfully to to society. Uh, But yes, I think I had decided when I was young that I was going to use the resources that I had um, to help those who were less resourced.
1: Absolutely. But uh, we must also be honest, Palissa, that at times corporate is not as attractive as it seems because of the institutional cultures that are there as well that uh, need their own transformation, isn't it?
0: That's, that's true. And I think we mustn't you know, make an assumption that you know outside of corporate that those institutional issues don't exist. Um, I think we've, we've had a fair share of, of um, you know, problematic institutional cultures, even in civil society. And I think, you know, ultimately, whether you're in corporate, whether you're in civil society, you know, we all from the same society mm. <laughs> at large. And I think, you know, it's, you, one can't shy away or avoid because um, we bring in who we are as a society into those organizations. So I guess I'm saying those institutional issues exist everywhere.
1: Absolutely. I mean, let's now zone into the space you are in. I'm always fascinated to ask people, when we talk a lot about, you know, achieving social justice, uh, being advocates Mm -hmm. of social justice, being practitioners in the social justice space. uh, But what do we really mean, according to your mind, when we talk about uh, social justice?
0: I think it's acknowledging, you know, our past as a country um, and, and how we find ourselves here. I think, you know, social justice is such a broad term. But, uh, you know, the issues I mentioned earlier on, you know, women being killed, and raped daily, um, the homophobia that we see daily, the, the racism, uh, people going to bed, you know, on an empty stomach. Um, and all, all, all social. the point of social justice is to try to address um, any and all of those issues that we face as a country today.
1: And part of that has to do a lot with collaboration. I mean, uh, Kel's quite in praise of how you promote a spirit of collaboration and solidarity in your work and just in the larger civil society network. How important are these linkages of collaboration? Because one of the issues that is quite worrisome in the civil society space is seeing tendencies of competition, uh, which Mm. at times are driven by, you know, chasing donor funding.
0: Collaboration is key. No, no single person, no single organization um, has the full context or knowledge or expertise in addressing these very um, complicated um, issues. Um, so it's important to collaborate with you know, like-minded organizations. It's important to collaborate with people who think differently to us, who see the world differently to us. It's important to collaborate, to critically partner with the state, and, and that's one of the things we try to do at CALS. You know, historically our sector's known for only suing the state, mm. um, which is still a pivotal part of what, you know, we, we do. But, you know, we also need to think creatively in how we critically partner with the state and, and not to always sue them or, or, you know, always fighting the state, even if it's on behalf of a, of a client or a community. So I mean, it's, that, collaboration
1: is, is key. That's an interesting tension you are raising, you know, being able to hold the state accountable, but also mm. uh, realize that the state is it needs to work and work for society. Mm. How difficult, mm. though, is that tension to manage? Because at times I find that those actors in the state can become quite uh, uh, personal on some of these issues where they start identifying certain organizations as anti-state simply because they are actually doing accountability work.
0: Mm. I think our criticism needs to be fair, and, and I, I don't think we've done enough as a sector. And like I said, it's something that CELS is um, you know, committed to doing. I don't know if I can give a fair assessment of you know, how the state will respond. At least you know, I, I think I'd be in a better position to do that once I can say we've, we've been trying to yeah. do that for a reasonable period of time. But I think there are really committed people in public service. Um, who are always open to meeting with us, who are always open to, you know, helping us understand the context in which they work and the difficulties that they that they face themselves. Um, but obviously, in, in failed discussions, uh, we, we have no choice but to, you know, take them to court. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah, because uh, things must get done. Uh, but yeah. as, let's probably come back to some of the work that you have done academically. I mean, uh, in your LLM, I mean, yo, this 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 title, I hope I'm going to get it right. Transformation in yeah. the Public Interest Legal Sector and yeah. Transformative Constitutionalism. Uh, yeah. When we talk about transformative constitutionalism, what are we talking about? And how do we ensure that the conversation Uh-oh. isn't seen as being, you know, uh, a vote, a vote of no confidence in the
2: constitution.
0: Oh, oh. I mean, simply put, it's you know, one recognizing we we have quite a powerful constitution. Yes, it's it's, it's criticized, but in, in theory, it's it's a really progressive document. Um, which which is. is everything happened as it were, I think, you know, we would be in a much better place and, and, you know, as a country. But simply put, transformative, you know, constitutionism is this notion that our law can, you know, transform society using the, the constitution, you know, using it to realize the various um, rights and the Bill of Rights that, that, that we had in the constitution.
1: And uh, where have the shortcomings been over the years? I mean, we we see now there is a huge push, for example, for the amendment of Section 25 of the Constitution. Mm. But uh, there's also just at times this discourse of, uh, yeah, people are claiming their rights more than they are are adopting their responsibilities uh, in the life of the country that we call South Africa. Where have we dropped the ball? And what does a solution look like going forward?
0: Yeah. So I think two things come to mind um you know all these rights many of them are subject to limitations mm. uh, we see in in many of our cases you know the state will say we don't have resources um you know we know that the the covid grant for example has come to an end and the state simply says there is no more money um but but I think that the biggest uh contributor to um The limitation of realizing all these rights is the corruption that we see. There's millions, billions of rands being looted, which could be going and which should be going to the realization of many of of, of our rights enshrined in our constitution.
1: I mean, uh, some of those issues you are raising, looting, have become part of our uh, daily diet, mm. if I were to put it. You know, we're we no longer shocked, really, at uh, the news on corruption. Perhaps at times we mm. are shocked at the participants mm. that, oh, even you, mm. oh, now mm. we're, oh, okay. Uh, well, then what were we expecting anyway? H- how does that take away confidence from the state and introduce uh, pro- problematic despondency among the citizenry?
0: Yeah, you know, I think you're absolutely right. We we've, we've become quite numb um, at it, and and it's easy to just scroll past, you know, the various um, articles and, and 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 what we find out every day about who's looted in which department. But I I think the youth is the youth is angry as, as numb as we are, and and I think I don't think the youth has given up, but, and and I think the youth is rising up. And, and, and trying to do their part
2: mm. mm-hmm.
1: and I mean talking about youth pre- doing their part there's a big conversation and I think we had a part of it yesterday here on power talk that always comes around are we seeing youth apathy or are we seeing uh, young people trying to find options outside of the political process
0: mm-hmm. it's also very challenging because at the end of the day you know you you also need to you know, fight within your own life. In, in in other words, you need to make sure that you have what you need to survive. You need to make sure that you you know are getting uh, work and opportunities to feed your family. You know, mm. you know the, the the few of us that have you know managed to get access to higher education. Um, you know, if you look back to our families and our extended families, we're so often the first or the second, and there's many others. Uh, that you That you wish you could support, so the, the point i 'm making is it, it, it's a, it's a hard position that they find themselves in, um, having to pursue their own passions, pursue their own goals, but also having to to ensure that those that they love you know, you know have everything that they need.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, it talks to all questions around opportunities, limited opportunities, upward mobility of young people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are speaking today, Palisa, on a week where Stats SA continued to shine a spotlight on the problem of youth unemployment, but not just youth unemployment, the issue of young people who are not in employment young people who are not in education who are not in mm. any form of training uh, what really uh, julius nyerere would probably term a loitering youth and mm. it's problematic how does this concern you and do you have any ideas on what should be done uh, probably for our country to salvage this dire situation
0: Again, I think, you know, the corruption and the, and, and the funds that are being looted in the state right now, you know, much of which should be going to ensuring that opportunities are created um, for the youth. I, I I think the youth is, is quite creative in, in how they are trying to, you know, survive and, and, and how they're trying to, you know, create opportunities uh, by themselves. But at the end of the day, you know, they need to do that within a Within a system that is supportive,
2: mm. and there's
0: only so much that you can do for yourself. Um, if, if the opportunities are not there, if, if the funding to start your own business is not there, um, and, and if, if, if there are corrupt service other corrupt service providers, you know, colluding with the state, you know, it, 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 it creates very little opportunity for, for people and, and young people who want to, you know, start their own businesses. For example.
1: Absolutely. My guest is uh, Palesa Madi on this open conversation. She is the Deputy Director at the Center for Applied Legal Studies at the Witwatersrand University. Now Palisa, let's talk about some of your other hats that you wear. You sit on the board of Gun-Free South Africa. That's quite interesting. Uh what 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 I mean led to that and the interest really on on a Gun-Free South Africa. Do you have any experience with guns?
0: I personally don't, um, but the, the stats around violence in, in this country are, uh, you know, personally alarming. Mm. You
2: know,
0: as a woman, it's not safe to be in this country. Um, you know, stats also show the relationship between guns and gender based violence. Um, so, so, you know, as someone who, who wants to be in a country where they can feel safe, Um, who wants their sisters and, you know, my mom and and my my friends to feel safe. Um, I I thought it was um, a great um, use of my time to join the board.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about this issue of guns, there's been great conversation uh, on the airwaves in society about possible amendments uh, to yep. legislation that is around guns. People saying, "But how do you limit our owner, our legal ownership of guns when uh, we are so unsafe? Citizens clearly do feel unsafe, Palasa, in this uh, country that we live in. How do we?" manage this uh, problem of, you know, citizens wanting to protect themselves, but at the same time, as you say, uh, limiting the spread of guns in our society, which are at times used for serious violent crimes and in particular against women?
0: Mm. Look, I think first it's important to acknowledge that people feel unsafe in this country. We are a really violent country. And so I really sympathize and I understand why anyone would want, you know, to, to, to protect themselves. Um, But it's important that we make decisions based on what the research informs us.
2: Mm. Um,
0: We can't, you know, as natural as it may be to want to protect ourselves and, you know, take matters into our own hands. The the questions we need to be asking ourselves is, you know, how does it benefit society ultimately? You know, if, if we if many more people can own personal guns. Yeah. You know, in what circumstances are women being killed? You know, where, where do those guns come from? Um, and, and I think we need to make informed decisions based on the research. And if the research is showing us that, you know, women would be safer, the country would be safer if less people owned guns, personal guns, then, then, then we must make decisions based on the research.
1: Mm. I mean I've been I've been seeing also a growing uh, movement of women actually taking up gun uh, tra- uh, training of you know how to use a firearm getting yeah. their firearm yeah. licenses. Yeah. I mean uh, how how do you relate to that growing uh, movement? Yeah.
0: Again, I think I I sympathize, you know, again as a woman who wants to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, but we can't ignore the fact that, you know, that there are so many deaths that happen uh, because there was a gun lying around in the home, uh, because you, you know someone accidentally pulled off the trigger, etc. There's been many children who, who have been harmed and killed because you know, a gun was laying irresponsibly in, in, in someone's home. Um, and again, I, w- I would just stress, you know, in trying to protect ourselves, because we are in a violent country, um, we need to look to the research. What is the research saying?
1: And I mean, this, this, this violence we talk about is quite serious, uh, some pointing to its historic roots, others, you know, the alienation ability of colonialism and apartheid and how uh, some communities had to be violent in order to survive, had to be violent in order to communicate their displeasure to the system, okay. and that the seeds of violence have not really been removed in our society. What is okay. some of the work that we probably uh, have not done and need to do, uh, some will say, no, look. Look, we had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, but it was just uh, touching the tip of the iceberg in yeah. terms of our yeah. of our problems. There's still some yeah. reconstruction work that needs yeah. to happen in our society. What do you think, to your mind, that reconstruction work looks like?
0: I think we're a very traumatized nation, uh, um, and and I don't think we have discussions uh, or enough discussions about the trauma that people are carrying. Mm. Uh, we don't discuss enough about you know what what mental health is and what mental health help people need. Um, but the, the, the issue of violence, you know, it's it's so intersectional, um, and it's not an it's not an easy there's no easy solution. But mm. you know it, you know the violence intersects with the poverty, with the frustration, with the unemployment. Um, and so, so I would say we need, you know, more programs, um, more interventions uh, designed to respond to the trauma that, that, that people are facing, um, that we don't talk enough about. But then secondly, I'd say, I don't think there's an easy, you know, answer and, and, and that we would need to dissect, you know, how these issues intersect with one another.
1: Absolutely, my open conversation guest this morning is Palesa Madi. She's the deputy director at the Center for Applied Legal Studies. If you want to be part of our conversation, please dial in on zero eight uh, six one nine eight seven triple zero to put your thoughts or questions to her. As well, you can always tweet me at amguni hashtag Power Talk. And if you have a short voice note that you want to share with Palesa, uh, that line, uh, that WhatsApp line is zero eight three three zero three. Uh, 7093. We're really just having an open conversation on things around social justice, uh, questions of transformation, constitutionalism, uh, but uh, I mean, uh, also because of her interesting work as being part of the board uh, for Gun Free SA, talking violence, what uh, should we make of our society uh, going forward? Uh, We'll continue this conversation with Palisa after uh, our news uh, headlines because it's almost half past 11, but uh, indeed feel free to be part of the conversation on 0861 987 000. Some thoughts, some questions. I mean, the cause for social justice, the tension between the state and activists. What is it that we should be doing really uh, to hold government accountable, but also collaborate with government in terms of ideation on where we ought to be as a country in this development trajectory and fight really, continued fight for liberation. Clearly, we have not yet arrived. But anyway, Thomas White has arrived, and that means the uh, news headlines is ready.
0: Power talk with Luke Honamdini. Paul Luke on on
1: Indeed, do dial that number if you want to be part of our open conversation with Palesa Madi, deputy director at the Centre for Applied Legal Studies. Uh, just really chatting all things uh, social justice with her. I do see that on the line, Palesa. I have Levy or Levi. You know, I, I need to learn these. things Things Levy is it Levy or Levi? So that I don't butcher your name as mine is here on Power Talk.
3: Any 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 way you want to call it uh, on the corner It's Levi from Kempton Park.
1: Ah, uh, good morning and welcome to Power Talk. I'm I'm good. I uh, to put on my comment uh, yes. or based
3: on violence that you guys were speaking about. <laughs> uh, in terms of the government that we are in right now, how hmm. do we achieve it through violence? When we demand or want services at a lower level, what's, what ways do we use violence? Yeah. Then how can it be that, uh, what are the thing? If, if it goes to the root level, like at an upper level, then it can penetrate to, like, at a lower level, even individuals, maybe coding who, and stuff like that. Yeah. Same applies to crime, same applies to corruption, same applies to everything. If it happens at the head, how will you be able to correct it or control it
1: on a lower level? Yeah. So uh, then, that Levi means what, though? Okay, the, we've got this viol- The government it, that seems to understand violence. Accountability,
3: accountability, accountability, towards our government, our state uh, and people that are leading
1: us.
2: Yeah. If, if
3: had it been that they, 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 they took offices with an oath and uh, bear responsibility, uh, I think Leruna on a lower level will be following because. But we, again, we also follow the leaders. Mm. So if the leaders they are like years and, and uh, like lunatics, they're also going to be the same one the, and become a lawlessness country. Yeah. So imagine these guys, let's say for instance, these guys who are coming outside and coming through violence and everything, human trafficking, you name all of these drugs and everything that are happening in South Africa. And yet, uh, like, and, uh, some of those things, they don't even do them to their own country. They
1: come and do them here in South Africa. Okay, Uh Levi, I hear you loud and clear. palace I mean, uh, Levi is touching on some what may characterize as structural violence that you know the state visits on people, and therefore people re- retaliate with violence to get mm-hmm. uh, attention of the very same state. We see this uh, in protests, and uh, again, there you are also part of a steering committee of a right to protest mm-hmm. project, and we, you know, it's quite interesting. It dovetails with some of your work without a doubt how should we be protesting because people tend to only be listened to when they become violent when the cameras get to the community that's when we see leaders starting being agitated to visit those communities and act
0: yeah thanks for that question I I am um, a firm ambassador of the right to protest
2: it's a constitutionally
0: protected right and it's true. Um, in many instances, the state listens, you know, to those that they are meant to be serving after there has been a protest of some sort. And in most instances, they're not. You know, by the time some, you know, a community has decided to protest, it's after several failed engagements or or that they have been ignored. You know, mm. there's also a debate around, you know. Um, whether it's useful, you know, burning libraries and schools yeah. and, you know, very important infrastructure, which we know some people will say that that's taking that very community one step back because it means children don't have access to books. It means people can't access, you know, schools, et cetera. And, and I think that that's a tough uh, one. And I don't know how one balances th- those, those, um, you know, competing interests. Mm. And I think it goes without saying that obviously there can be no justification. I hope and then I don't think that this is what Levi is insinuating that there can be any reason you know for 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 violence you know against women. Um, but but I also just want to touch on what he's saying about our leadership um and and, and the people who are meant to be serving us and and representing us. Yes. I think that's the biggest issue that we have um as as a country. We have a leadership deficit. Absolutely. Um, you know, while, while, as I mentioned earlier on, they are really great and really committed people in public service. I think of all the issues we have in the country, we have a leadership crisis. We have unethical leaders. Uh, we have corrupt leaders. And then to some extent, people who, are, who, who shouldn't be in positions that they're in because they simply can't perform their duties.
1: Absolutely. And they continue to occupy them. Pumlani is on the line. Good morning.
4: Hey, how's it? Good, good. How are you? Great. Thanks. Um, We have um, our neighbors, Zimbabwe, right? Mm. Zimbabwe, we have a political party, the ZANOPF, that has been waging um, hegemony on defenseless citizens. And the reason why that's possible, is because they've systematically disarmed the population. Mm. That's one of the reasons we couldn't. Um, go head on, I mean go head toe to toe with the apartheid system because black people were systematically disarmed. We were not allowed to have guns. So what I'm trying to say to South Africans is guns are not there to protect you from criminals. That's idiotic. Guns are there to protect you from the state. The state has the monopoly of power. So if we are going to um, live, remember we in Africa. If we look at all other liberation movements, they have a pattern. They go into power, they misuse power, they don't want to get out of power. Mm. They voted out, but they overturned our decisions. Mm. Tomorrow, we're going to need to confront the ANC. In order for us to do that, we're going to need guns. Violence is a fact of life. If you look at the surface of Mars, you're going to see violence on that surface. Do you follow? If you look at the sun, you'll see violence. You cannot talk of existence without violence. Look at plants, you'll find violence. You, You can pick any form of life form. You can look at viruses. You can look at any so we cannot really get rid of violence i think it's just um i don't understand this movement of trying to um remove violence from existence you okay. know it, it really it doesn't make sense Pumlani,
1: i'll put that to uh, Palisa. i will not uh, share any view of mine but let me also take mazri, mazri good morning morning how are you I'm look good. On. how are you doing very well thank you and thank you for the opportunity
3: um, I apologize for put off the mark because I joined the conversation a bit late. But I just wanted to check with Upaleta in relation to this issue of e collaboration. Yeah. Um there are lawyers, um, myself being one of them, who have been talking on and off around the opportunities to assist people on a voluntary basis. But mm. um, I just wanted to check with Upaleta if ECL um, is open to those sorts of things and if the answer is yes, how those uh, conversations are initiated. If okay. the answer is no, um what are your thoughts around trying to capacitate Um, institutions like the legal aid and other law clinics in order to get people who are otherwise unable to get access to justice, the help that they need.
1: Uh, Mazwi, you are definitely not off the mark at all. That, I can tell you, free of charge. Uh, Palesa, let me give you an opportunity to respond to those two questions. I'll take some more on on the line after that.
0: Sure, thanks for that. Um, I think the the comment on violence, I think my first question is, who is this violence, you know, towards? Mm. and and i I don't think it's fair to merely accept that you know violence is a part of life um you know and because who gets harmed in the process and 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 that's why we have this very traumatized nation that we have now and that's why we are stuck in this perpetual cycle of of violence you know where young children are observing violence in their homes and and then we get surprised when they become violent mm. so I think I think it's important who is this violence being directed towards
1: I, I suppose Balesa, uh, the, the, the 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 part for me that's curious with Pumlan is called is where he raises this uh, notion which we all accept that the state has the sole legitimacy to violence that's why we've got the police we've got mm. the army and all of them are armed the mm. perhaps what he's he's raising is to say what is our responsibility as citizens mm. when the state goes rogue? with mm. that, um, you know, so legitimate use of violence. Mm. Because accepting that the state has a legitimate use of violence is in mm. one way or the other accepting the existence of violence. Mm.
0: Mm. And again, coming back to our constitution, you know, there, there are certain limitations that the state has as well. You know, we, there are human rights um, uh, 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 that need to be upheld. and And we have fortunately... You know um the 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 law uh, and and various um, tools that we can use using the Constitution to hold the state accountable mm. when there is an, an you know unfair use of of force civil society is is, is certainly you know trying to fight this battle i think there there's, there's a current case now that's trying to do away you know with, with um, uh, certain i think it's rubber bullets um in, in, you know, when when the state responds to protests. Um, so, so, I think this the civil society and the public and, at large should hold the state accountable when there is an excessive use of force, and and there definitely is most often than not.
2: Mm, mm, mm.
1: And then uh, that question by Mazui on collaboration with Carls on uh, lawyers that may we- wish to volunteer their services.
0: To, can I just clarify that question? Is it uh, are we open to collaborating with people who want to? to yes. So saying lawyers, to lawyers
1: looking to assist lawyers. people voluntarily, are there any possible collaborations with CALS? Um,
0: certainly, certainly. I'm, I'm happy to leave our organization's contact details at the end of uh, at the end of our call. Yeah. And and yeah, we're happy to be contacted uh, for any other areas of possible uh, of collaboration.
1: Ah, beautiful stuff. Let's go back to that line, George. Good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, how are you today?
3: Uh, I'm good, um, my friend. I I just want to check with uh, Balesa. You know, I I really agree and believe in a gun-free South Africa, however, in the process of achieving this, I'd like to hear from Balesa, how do you balance this with these violent crimes that the country is going through at the moment? Because the main reason why we go, and have these guns is that we want to protect and defend our, our ourselves but then in the process of doing this uh having these uh very serious uh, violent crimes in the country how do we how do we
1: balance that mm.
2: Mm. Mm. yes
1: okay judge uh, loud and clear we hear you Lesiba. good morning Lesiba. hey Lesiba, you're not on the line all right, I'll get my team to check if Lesiba slept on us there on the line. Balesa, that uh, those sentiments from George.
0: Sure. Thanks for that. It's a really tough one. And, and like I said earlier on, I acknowledge that, you know, people feel unsafe. I feel safe, unsafe in this country.
2: Um, mm.
0: But we, we need not to only make decisions on, you know, what we think is best for, for us as individuals. Um, but but, but as, as a country, and I think I just want to emphasize that we need to be guided by what the research is saying. Where do these guns end up? Yeah. Where do these guns come from? In what instances are these guns used? And, and I think we then need to be guided by, by, by the steps. And I think we must also be mindful that, you know, we must be guided by the right that we have. Um, it's not a right to own a gun. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this was uh, said in, in one of the the cases that have been heard quite recently on, 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 on gun ownership. But I just want to stress that I completely understand um, the anxiety um, living in such an unsafe country. But we need to make decisions based on what's best overall for the most vulnerable people in society and, and what the stats are saying.
2: Yeah,
1: now I I hear you completely, and I mean, uh, Palisa, as a as a as a I don't want to say as a young woman. I mean, sometimes we say these things, and uh, they are not true. <laughs> as a, <laughs> as, a, as a woman in South Africa, uh, and this sense of feeling unsafe, this yeah. violence that you are not even so sure where you are going to encounter it. And I mean, men men as well don't feel safe, uh, uh, you know, in this country. As yeah. someone was talking, I think, uh, yesterday to my colleague, if it was not Faith, uh, if I'm not mistaken, saying that, you know, um, some of the greatest victims of this violence in our society are men, because if you go to the yeah. morgues, those are people you find uh, killing each other, fighting each other, yeah. and so on. But yeah. I want to focus on you as a woman. This sense of violence, how... Much does it haunt you on a daily basis mm. how How many times do you have to look over your shoulder and be suspicious, just even on individuals that you've never even encountered before, simply because you have a either something triggering that you might just encounter a mm. violent incident twenty four
2: seven
0: you are harassed online, you are harassed on your way to pick and pay, you are harassed on the road mm.
2: you
0: are harassed. You no know, work for many people, I think.
1: Vanessa, do I still have you on the line?
0: Yes, I'm oh, still okay. here.
1: All right. Uh, no, I just wanted to make sure. I mean, uh, it's really a sad uh, situation, and I've often said at times it seems this uh, factor of violence affects women's uh, mobility in some workplaces because, you know, uh, before COVID, when we were not working from home and you would work in the office, uh, it mm-hmm. seemed as if men found it easier to work late um, in the office uh, than women because women were scared. I mean, how do I drive on the highway uh, going mm-hmm. back home mm-hmm. at 9 p.m., 10 p.m.?
0: Mm. It's, it's it's not safe like i said um in your home you know because we know that uh many violent crimes happen in, in private in home and mm. uh, you go online you are harassed by by strangers uh in your office for, for many people by by those that they report to um yeah it's, it's a 24-7 thing
1: absolutely let's see i think you are back good morning
5: Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Not a problem. Um, I, I say, you see, everything hinges, or or what that, everything pivots on is important. Mm. Our common law is not common to us. Yeah. So, and meaning our constitution doesn't talk to us. Mm. Meaning our laws don't talk to us. Mm. Now there's a disconnect. That is why uh, you would then say you can protest. You know, it's like you can protest, but don't be disruptive. Yeah, protest mm. by itself is disruptive. Mm. It's, it's it's not protest until it is disruptive. Mm. But but the law that you have because it doesn't talk to you, it says you can protest peacefully without being pro- uh, disruptive. Mm. The everything. You cannot talk to the government because you did not choose the government. Face it, nobody chose Cyril Ramaphosa. He was chosen by capital. They paid millions to have him to be. uh, This is real. Now, you want to create this president of the country. He is not. You want to create the ANC as this liberation movement. No, the first people who went out of this country to talk to the ANC are the business people, the Oppenheimers and whoever, who are still ruling this country today. Mm. So wake up. You know, let's stop. You can't be presiding over somebody else's reality. And this is what we are trying to do. We have to have our own design.
1: Lesiva, I hear you. Morongo, good morning.
6: Hello, Lukona.
1: How are you? I'm blessed, brother. Fantastic.
6: Uh Palisa, yeah, I really don't understand. Where are these people living in? Are they living in the very same South Africa <laughs> we're living in,
1: <laughs> I can tell you she lives in this exact South Africa you also live in.
6: No, my guy, I mean I mean I'm, i stay in Mammy my guy. I won't lie to you. People have guns, brother. Mm. If they come and do a raid in mami Lodi, just only mami Lodi, they can like get fully armed guns that can fight i don't know the whole police so i don't think like taking away gun from me would help me i can't wait for someone to jump my wall then come kill my my family no i don't think it's okay
1: Mm. so but but, but, but i mean uh palesa has been trying to make the point to say you know what um, yes, there is the issue of uh, violence. People do feel unsafe, but there is a good case to be made to say if we were to have less guns in our society, we would uh, save uh, some lives that are lost uh, uh, to these guns. Uh,
6: no, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen or what must happen first, but they should first uh, fix the police system. So if not, even the border issue, if not, uh, they should leave us with our guns.
1: Okay. I suppose, uh, Palisa, there's a chicken and egg phenomenon here that is happening. What do you need to do first to make a clear case for a gun-free South Africa?
0: Again, let's be guided by the research. Where are these guns? Who's being killed by these guns that are owned personally? Is it guns? And and, and it's true, Uh, many of the guns, you know, that end up in, in people's homes um, have been from corrupt officials within the police force. Mm. Uh, guns that have been confiscated, you know, uh, you know from gangs, um, guns that have been illegally owned. But, you know, what I was describing earlier about what it's like to be living as a, as a woman in, in this country who can be killed at any point you know, I think there's a link with those with these very guns. Mm.
2: You know,
0: yes, people tend to or, or, or say that um, they they keep them so that they can protect themselves, but it's those very guns that end up killing women every day.
1: Mm. I mean, palisa something interesting raised by Siba as well on protest protest by itself is disruptive i i actually do share those sentiments i i don't i i, I don't understand uh, I mean, I, I, I usually fight a lot with uh, people in academia on this one uh, when there's protest around campus at UK's Den and students are blocking the entrance. I say, well, that's part of what they need to do to disrupt the normal way of life in the institution so that even our complaints might just, uh, you know, force management to take their issues seriously. The ideas around protest, I mean, being disruptive, uh, being peaceful, and being violent, because I don't always see disruption as um, ultimately being violent.
2: Mm.
0: I completely agree with you. It's not a protest if it's not disruptive. Um, you know, let's take the Fees Must Fall protest, for example. Yeah. We wouldn't yeah. be seeing the, the many positive gains um, that we see in higher education. You know, when I was studying, if your, if your fees were outstanding, uh or you couldn't register that year, you you didn't have registration fees, you simply couldn't register. That was it. Mm. And, and now post these protests you can get into a fee arrangement um of, of of some sort. That was that that that's because of the protests that were led by by, by the Caesar Fall uh movement.
1: And I mean uh, do we have a constitution that doesn't talk to us? I mean you've done you've done some work on this no. <laughs>
0: I think in theory, we have a really great constitution and and many of the the, the gains and very successful cases that have been brought, mm. um, you know, many good cases that came out even, even during, you know, the earlier weeks or the initial weeks of lockdown um, was because we could use the constitution to hold the state accountable.
2: Mm.
0: With that said, we have an access to justice issue in the country, um accessing the law is a very expensive exercise.
2: Absolutely. Lawyers
0: are expensive. Um there, there aren't enough organizations like CALS that can, you know, help people um for free. Uh the donor landscape is somewhat shrinking as well, making it difficult for more organizations like Calves to, you know, to, to for, for there to be more organizations like CALS. Um and and even when we do go to court and we get great judgments and the state is held accountable, we still have officials who take a long time, if ever, to implement um, or, or to do what the court has ordered them to do. Mm. Um, but I think we still have a great document. We still have really good law. But that doesn't mean that we don't have challenges in, in, in realizing the rights um enshrined in our constitution
1: absolutely let me go to the line again palessa i've got loretta good morning good
0: morning good morning how are you i'm
1: well how are you, well, how are you?
0: i'm all right i think your radio is um, on
1: loretta. no
0: my radio is not
1: on I don't know why i'm getting feedback no, I'm, i
0: don't know i'm just driving i just wanted to comment on the gun violence yeah um the less guns we have the better You know, it's so frightening that there are kids who take guns to school. And Mm. it's not fair on other kids that they feel unsafe.
2: Mm. You know,
0: I've got a six-year-old in grade one. I don't want my child to be exposed to violence at school. So the less guns we have, the better. You know? Do do, do you uh, buy buy him toy
1: guns by any chance?
0: chance. No. Okay. No. We don't even watch gun violence movies. Mm. The less violence we have, the better.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Loretta, for joining us on 861 000. I mean, uh, Palesa, perhaps as a way of conclusion, uh, we've been talking about a lot of uh, serious things. Uh, today, how have you kept sane during the period of COVID nineteen? Uh, particularly, uh, have, being in an organization that was trying to assist and help uh, some communities that were being terrorized by silly municipalities, even trying to evict people out. But uh, how have you been trying to keep? How have you been keeping your sanity during COVID nineteen?
0: Sure, that's a tough one. Um. <laughs> or or, or you
1: about to say, that, well, the sanity is not really there. Um, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a face.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's been hard. And, and, I, and I'd like to just, you know, acknowledge the attorneys and, and, and the whole staff at Cal's yeah. um, who, who are at the forefront, you know, um, who, who were the ones that get calls every day. Uh, the first few weeks were particularly tough. Um, as as you know we received many more calls you know from partner organizations as well mm. and i think that that definitely increased the levels of anxiety of of colleagues and you know it wasn't just from the work that you know doubled if not tripled but it you know people were also having to deal with their own levels of anxiety in their homes
2: yeah. you know
0: having to take care of children while working um, having to take care of the elderly and, and relatives and just being scared the whole time that, you know, a relative might 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 get this virus mm. um, or a or, or vulnerable relative might, might might get the virus. Um, I don't know if things are any better or we've just managed to cope um, and 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 sort of it, it becoming a new norm.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, but yeah. I don't know if it, we are coping or, coping or we are just putting up putting a face.
1: But, Palessa, yes. all the best on your new solidified role. And I hope we will continue to be in touch on some of the work that you do.
0: Thank you so much. And thanks to all your
1: listeners. Absolutely a pleasure. That was Palessa Madi in this open conversation, Deputy Director at the Center for Applied Legal Studies, CALS, at the University of Witwatersrand.